Welcome to the Grappling We See exactly. Grappling Rewind Podcast. Welcome to this week on the Grappling Rewind Podcast. This week we are gonna recap Subversive by Fight to Win, talk about King of Mats 3, talk about UAE King of Mats. Super easy to have two events with the same or a similar name on the same week. We are also going to preview Rise 5, Fight to Win 87, and EBI 17, the 185-pound combat jiu-jitsu event. As always, I'm your host, Maine, here with my co-host, Emil, and we are going to get right into it. We are also going to recap the Aki Basho that just finished and talk about Hakaho's domination of that Basho for Sumo. So let's kick it off with a little bit of news. Well, before we get into news, Emil, how's your week been? Pretty good. How's yours been, man? It's been uh, it's been busy. I drove about thirteen hundred miles in the last four days. Jesus Christ, man! I Pick drove up trucking in between basically. now and last Dude, time. I drove from Baltimore to Nashville, New Hampshire. Shout out to Triumph BJJ, great guys in Nashville, New Hampshire. Got to train with them um, during my trip, during my drive up to Maine. Saw my family in Maine. Went to a wedding this weekend. We flew Rachel out uh, on Friday. Saw her. Got the wedding done Saturday great wedding and then uh sunday morning or sunday afternoon drove my ass back to baltimore it was uh six hours of stop and go traffic followed by an additional four hours of driving fuck that man it, it was uh it it's was like all 95 corridor too it was yeah it was fuck. dude it, it drove us through the wonkiest way driving back so we were recording this show on monday september 24th that is a, mo- a i just said monday uh, we used to record the show on Sunday, so this is coming right out it immediately. It wor- worked out for the better anyway, because uh, last night I ate some tainted Indian food and got sick to the butt, so Ew. it would have been just terrible recording. You'd be like pausing every 30 seconds. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, Emil, thanks a lot. <laughs> just living in your bathroom. Jesus. So let's get on to it. Let's get into news. Emil, what do you got for news this week? Not a whole lot. It's a pretty quiet week. All right, Emil, I thought you'd give me like something to go on. Well, okay. Uh, not... This is partially news in terms of grappling, but Kid Yamamoto passed away. So that sucks. Sad. He had, I think he, got, he had, uh, passed away from cancer. So I think Ensign Inoue posted about that uh, a couple of days ago. So that sucks. It sucks to lose a dude that's a legend in the sport. Um, Lots of love from the MMA community. Yeah, it was nice to see. So yep. Yeah, emotions make me uncomfortable, Emil. That didn't come across. So, uh, in other news, on a lighter note, apparently I'm pronouncing Craig, or Craig Jones? I'm yeah. pr- pronouncing his name incorrectly. He came out, evidently, everyone has been mispronouncing it in the United States, but you know what? It's still fucking Craig Jones, man. It's Craig. Is it Craig? Craig. Just sounds like, that sounds like the villain from, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So like, what does he want us to call him? Craig? 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 Craig Jones? I have no idea. It's just Craig. My bad, Craig. I, I can't pronounce Please don't destroy my knees if you so, hear this. Yeah, it's really light, light week for news. There's a lot of cool events going on, so uh, let's just pop right into those. So getting right into it. Under the subversive card by Fight to Win in Anaheim, California. Uh, I got this super wrong. I had no idea how this was going to run. I even messaged, or not messaged, I made a comment on Instagram, and they were like, yeah, it's EBI rules. So this is way more simple than I thought it was going to be. It's not really a quintet-style tournament. Really, it is each team member has a certain grappler at a certain weight um, for men and then has a female grappler. I forget what weight the women were at. I don't, I don't recall. And then each team on each side of the bracket matches up, and each person at the right weight goes against the other person from that weight on the team, and then the best record moves on. So you don't have the same level of gamesmanship as quintet where 
you know, you can select which fighter you want to go kind of like on the fly and try to do matchup gimmicks with that. In this case... Well, you couldn't, you couldn't get to submit your lineup beforehand. You did, but it's you know which competitor is. It's just right. the, the only thing that changes is what is the record going in? What's what's the likely record going to be? And this actually plays out pretty interesting in the final because $10,000 uh, comes down to just uh, Liz Carmouche and... Um, and Naya. Um, Rollins. Nia, is it Naya or Nija? Uh, Nija. Nija Rollins. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a really fun event. Like, I like how I liked how this ran where, again, it it didn't feel quite like Quintet, but I liked that, again, every single match mattered. Like like you said, you're winning until you're, you're losing until, you're wi- until you win. That's right. And it's like, okay, because, like, if it goes to a draw, you've got to go to overtime, and it's like, okay, you've still got to, you know, you've still got to sneak out a win either by with the EBI's rule overtime. Yeah, it's 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 a little different. The the strategy changes a little bit because you you don't have in this case you don't have like one person who can gain three victories, right? Like right, it, you've got to win your match. And that's all you can do for your team, and then it's on. It's like it makes grappling a team sport. Yeah, like quintet's a team sport, but this is a different way to have grappling be a team sport. Like, hey, here's your team. Your guy's gonna match. I think this is almost how like wrestling matches. I up. love this shit. This is like an old school kung fu movie where you got like two completely different styles going up against each other. Like, it just feels Dude, more theatrical. Like every grappling match with Ten Planet is that. Oh yeah, no, it's exactly. Like, it's it's like the weird monkey everyone. fucking style yeah. or whatever so yeah this is this was this event was a lot of fun it was cool to have um it, it kind of almost ran like two events they had a like a shorter card fight to win with a bunch of super fights i think it was like 13 super fights and then they had this tournament on top of that and so it for me it ran like i'm not really sure how i would put it it almost seemed like the subversive or the the team tournament could have almost been like its own event and then you could, they could have run a fight to win separately. Like, I, I like, again, I like the super fights. It just, it was a little different for the pacing because the they were doing kind of two different events at the same time. Right. I'm and, not sure that came across very well. You know, especially as streaming, you know, you're, you're dropping in. You're not sure if the match that you're watching is part of the, you know, the team tournament or if it's a super fight. Yeah, if you don't know the competitors. Right, exactly. And you like, see two guys in a gi, it was super easy. Like, yeah. the whole the whole thing is up on Flow Grappling. It's about four hours and 27 minutes long. Super happy. Watched through it all. Got a chance to do that today. It was a super fun event to watch. Awesome event. Really, um, really good but event. But, yeah, it was initially kind of hard for me to figure out, like, okay, like, when I was piecing through it just real quick to see what happened, um, like, where I was and, like, okay, am I looking at the tournament or looking at a super fight or I'm looking at... Like, who am I looking at? I recognize most of the competitors, but some of the guys from C, uh, CSW team, I didn't quite recognize as quickly. And so I had to kind of tab back to find the start of the match. And it just took a little longer. So, but it was a lot of fun. I liked it. Let's get into, let's get into the results. Unless you got anything else to add about the event overall. Commentary was good. Commentary knew the 10th planet system, obviously, pretty well. A lot. And actually, like, it was clear that they were of that flavor. Um, there was a moment. It was clear they were of that flavor. Hey, he I'm says. just saying, like, there was a point where, uh, um, let's see, which match was it? It was, uh, I think it was the Spriggs match. Um, and, uh, you know, Spriggs is thrown up an Estima lock on Kyle Bain. And we all know it as the Estima lock. And, you know, the commentators are saying, oh, it's oh, he's, he's about to throw up the sock lock. And you can hear Eddie Bravo say, he's going for the Estima lock. It's like if your own dude, <laughs> the guy who created your systems, calling it an Estima lock... Then maybe just go with that. Maybe so it, like it's really cool. Um, 
recently we've seen a lot more of Eddie Bravo coaching his young guys on Quintet, on this, on like another previous event, and I kind of forget how good of a coach Eddie is. Oh, dude, yeah. He... Like, you hear him yelling out like very important information, like, hey, stay calm here, you know, you need to fight this grip and look at your left hand. I'm like, oh shit, like, he's a really fucking good coach. Like, and he's been doing this a long time. Good with strategy, too. It wasn't just technique that he was talking about. He was like, in this position, they're going to want to do this, so... You know, react this way. Yeah, it was cool. It was... And he's super loud, too. Like, you, oh, there's yeah. not a broadcast where he is a coach on it. You don't hear him. I'm like, ooh, this is really interesting. I, I, again, I don't know why, but I kind of forgot how good Bravo was. I mean, obviously, look how, look how huge his affiliation is. You don't you don't grow the affiliation to that size this quickly without being, you know, a pretty great instructor and coach. But I hadn't seen him recently coach. We have, I don't think we've covered him as a coach very much on this show at all since we've done this show. So it was cool to see him on Quintet and on this. Like, God damn, that's a really good instruction right now, especially when um during the Martinez match, or the big Martinez, Boogie, Boogie match. Um, Richie. Richie Martinez. God damn, I could not come up with the name. Richie Martinez match. He was talking about when Dita Jackson had a Kimura on him and exactly how he needed to be defending the Kimura. And you heard the commentary talking about how he needed to defend the Kimura. And then you heard Eddie talking about, because Eddie's so loud, talking about how to defend the Kimura. And it was really cool, the difference between the information the commentary was telling and the information that Eddie, you were hearing out of Eddie. Yeah, the defense to Kimura versus a team laid Irvin guy is don't get put in a Kimura. He's like, fucking Jackson. Yeah, like, like, the dude's called the Kimura. He's called up. the Kimura kid. Yeah. For a reason. Like, yep. dude has a black belt in Kimura alone. Yep. So, let's get into the results here. Absolutely. So, um, the f- first, um, I guess the team matchup is Team Lloyd Irvin versus CSW. Which is Eric Paulson's group. I forget and, what CSW stands for. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, it's This was pretty lopsided, I think, the, of a performance. Now, before I get into the results, I should say that um, one of the competitors for Team Lloyd Irvin... Uh, had an injury without any replacement. So they were automatically down a competitor. Yeah, which was kind of weird, which for me was kind of weird reading through the results. Like, because I, I had to watch this again after the fact. I didn't get, didn't get a chance to watch it live. I was going, what? Like, why? Like, forfeit. I didn't know forfeit was like unspecified tap out or like it was, it was hard for me to figure that out. And then I had to go through, I actually messaged you guys and was like, why, why are they, why are they forfeiting these? Like, what happened in this match? I don't get to get DQ'd and this thing is forfeit. An automatic loss for yeah, that's that. So weird. So, it's so weird. They didn't. They didn't have a replacement guard. They couldn't. Like they couldn't grab a replacement guard. I forget who who was supposed to be there. That it wasn't. Let me actually like pull him up and look. It was. Let's look. It was Jason Torres. So Jason Torres was out. Do you think he's the Titan champion at like forty five or fifty? I think. Uh, I think he's forty five. I have no idea. Yeah, Mio, you hear the squinty guy like, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is MMA. We've ventured out of jiu-jitsu. So, yeah, it was weird to see from the jump Lloyd's team have one less guy because that means in every single round of this tournament, you're going to immediately concede a loss. It means that they need four victories to win. So it compl- you, can do, you can do it with three. You need three. Oh, oh, I'm no, saying because... like above matches because you only have four matches total. So you need to at least win three of the matches because then other you have one automatic loss and one. Wait. No, because the other team. Look at it this way: the other team already has one point, and they just need to win two matches to win because then they'll get three points. So in order to prevent them from getting the three points, 
you have to get four points if you have a man down. And this confused me for a second. Because oh, they went, oh, I get they it. Went, I get it. They went 3-0, and and then they went into the fourth match, and I was like, why the fuck are they competing? Because at this point, A, you're risking injury with your competitor. I thought it was an extra match. They were just oh, doing that for makes the sense. fun of it. That makes but sense. they needed four victories in order to prevent the other team from getting three victories. So it it that's that's every single match needs to be won. So we just stopped the recording for about 15 minutes, and Emil taught me some mathematics because I'm going, I'm still confused about this. Um, we're not exactly certain because it seems like the commentary said something about Lloyd's team needed four victories to proceed, but in my head, they would only need to, they couldn't, you can't drop your first two matches because you already have a loss going in because you're missing a competitor, but you still would only need three victories to win regardless of how many team members you have if it's best out of five. Yeah, I'm not sure because they um, they competed for the four matches. You know, you had Nigel Rollins, even when they were up three to one. Uh, yeah, three to zero. So yeah. maybe you have to oh, go yeah, three to one if you count the forfeit. right. Maybe because yeah. you're gonna put your forfeit match first, basically in your rankings, because you know that one's not gonna change. So again, I'm not quite sure how they ran it, but they seem to have every time you had to go through the whole team to win. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's also just keeping things equal in terms of competition. Like time. your first round, you have to go. Everyone has to go through. Right. Exactly. I, yeah. I maybe that's that explains why. But I remember I have it written down in my notes. Like, you know, strategically, this doesn't make any sense at all. And I do remember the commentators talking about it. So we'll we'll have to go back and, and figure that out. Yep. So uh, onto the onto the let's go onto the results on this one. So in the first round, we have Team Lord Irvin versus Team Carlson Gracie. Not Carlson. CSW. CSW. Team CSW. So the first match was Sabrina Kraft versus Nigel Rollins. And Nigel wins by really classic and slow hip bump sweep into a Kimura. I haven't seen her compete before. I'm not sure if I've missed her or she's... They talked about this a lot. She's actually been out of competition for a while. Maybe that's so. why. Maybe that's not why I have not seen her compete before. But I, it sounds like we're going to be seeing a lot more of her. And, you know, also interesting to see the Kimura come up a bunch, not just in the submissions, but also for guard passing with the Team Lloyd Irvin. Oh, you mean Lloyd's guys use Kimura a lot? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm, surprising to no one. Yeah. You know, well, surprising to no one. It was dope to see. It was really, really good transitions. So the next match is uh, Jacob Rosales versus Angelo Claiborne. This was awesome. Uh, Jacob came out in like nothing but Valetuda shorts, and everyone was like, "Oh, like what? I wonder why he's doing this." He's they specifically talked about how he's not going to get any traction, and that I think actually ends up being a huge factor in the overtime because it helped him yeah, score this, a lot of yeah, escapes. This is the first time we saw overtime in the second match. This is the first time we saw overtime, and so now you're super slippery, and it's like good luck holding onto a dude in overtime. I don't think we've seen many people do the shirtless thing. I think you saw Craig Jones. Did he do that in EBI? I know he did it in... Uh, he did in ADCC. ADCC, yeah. But there's no overtime in ADCC. I forget. With, I think with the Gordon Ryan match in EBI, he did. He had a, he had a gym shirt on. He had an A1, uh, M1A, which is his gym in Australia. I think I butchered that. But yeah, we haven't seen many guys do the shirtless thing in EBI overtime and so, uh, worked out well. Yeah, I wonder if it's a strategy thing, but in, in this match, it was awesome. Um during the regulation time, uh, Jacob hit a dope fireman's carry. I mean, just like one of those explosive, like straight out of one NCAA of the, tournament. Like one of the highlight reel. Oh yeah, fireman no. carries. You're like, oh shit, he's going, and he hits a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful technique on it. I'm, I'm garbage at fireman carries, and so whenever I see someone hit, I'm like, how do you do that? Just a great all around. This match had a bunch of aggressive and persistent takedowns, which is surprising in this in this uh, uh, tournament. But um, anyway. 
awesome match. Next match was uh, Jamie Fletcher versus DJ Jackson. Uh, DJ wins by guillotine like right off yeah. the bat. And so at this point, Team Team Lloyd Irvin has the three victories. Wait, and you're like, one okay, forfeit. you have your three, but they're not. They didn't do it the quintet, quintet style where it's like. You you go on as soon as you win. They made you go through the entire team. The other thing that would have been awesome about the quintet rules is if you have someone that's injured, you don't have to automatically give up the forfeit. You could oh, if you your can guys put in the five hole basically. You, or yeah, you, like if you have one person that can win two matches, then you know that potentially evens it out. Yeah, so but I like this style, like where you don't have to deal with the weight disparity because I like again. I've said it for years, but in, about in MMA, like I want to see guys compete at the weight that they are best at. I thought you love freak show matches. I do. I, do man. Love, I love me some freak show matches. Like again, <laughs> that's why I like Quintet, but I also like this style for what it is too. It's like true. I want to see a dude that weighs one forty five or cuts to one forty five compete against a dude that cuts to one forty five because I feel like I'm going to get the best performance out of both those guys. But then you know, in a, in a Quintet rule set, I like I like that performance. And then in a Quintet rule set, you get a dude like Gio Martinez versus Hassan Rita, and he gets him anyway, and you're like, God damn it. I appreciate them both for what they are. Right. The, the other advantage of the subversive rule set is that it does allow you to put women uh, onto the team and not worry about that. That you know, was big. I was super yeah. happy. It was awesome, man. Like, and and for the tournament to come down to a women's match is just so dope. Like, yeah, it's, it's I, really, I can't really recall cool. another time like that in jujitsu that there's been a women's match showcased okay. for ten grand. Like, aside from EBI. Sorry, I, I, I want to kind of caveat myself there. EBI, but another event putting on a showcase women's match where it came down to what female grappler is going to pull it out and win the money. Yeah, absolutely. So the fourth match is Will uh, Persley versus Tim Spriggs. Um, at this point, um, you know, it's... Uh, There's no pressure on Spriggs at this point. Yeah, no. His team already has, it's he, none, already has the three. But he, he still, like, he actually Tim pulls guard here. He gets a, a quick sweep, uh, like a trip. And he pulls guard again and wins by off heel with very little effort. He he spent almost no energy in this match. So then we move on to Team Carlson Gracie versus Team Tenth Planet. This was awesome. the The first match of this uh, was Liz Carmouche versus Sophia Nordeno. So Liz showed her MMA just experience and dominance here. Just had a grinding head and arm control from Mount. Dude, I've was, not seen I've not seen Liz compete in grappling in a while. It's been a hot minute, and she looked she didn't miss a step. I mean, this was she had control the entire time here. Uh, there was a great sweep by Sophia into a, a guillotine, um, but uh, it, w- it wasn't a, a finish. So this match goes to time, and then we get Liz Carmouche versus Sophia Nardana in overtime. In the overtime, Liz again just sinks in a rear naked choke and finishes this. So, oh, but overall, this 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 tournament didn't have a whole lot of overtime finishes. There was no people were going for it. It was submissions for again, sure. Again, like like quintet, it's yeah. like people are finishing in regulation. There's not you. It. I'm not sure if it's a rule set or if it's the competitors because again, they got a bunch of competitors that are down to go and are down to finish too. So it's like I guess half competitors, half rule set, and I'm not sure if it's more based on the competitors they had or more based on the rule set because they have a ton of finishers on this card. And I think there's the added pressure of getting the finish for your teammates, right? Like you don't yeah. want to just you know you don't need a guy to drop the match or like okay cool we got to go to overtime i'm not going to try to like how good's my overtime if you can crush a guy in regulation like it's going to be it's going to save you time it's going to be more you're going to be more fresh and you're going to get that win for your team quicker and make it easier on your teammates to like have easier matches have less pressure going into because you're still in the semifinals they have another whole team to go against after this 
So the next match is going to be Gio Martinez versus Alex Seaver. Uh, this match was great. There was a lot of awesome guillotine and darts attempts by Gio with some great overhead sweeps, but he ultimately finishes from rubber guard with a go-go plata. Dude, him and his brother both have victories this year. His brother got one at uh, Nogi Worlds. He guillotine. He, sorry, he go-go plata guy in the first round, and then I'm not. I don't know when the last time I've seen Gio do one. So, but it's super cool to see like them both have wins at a high level by fucking go-go plata and it was interesting too because he originally had the rubber guard on the other side and he just you could see him kind of shrug and decide that he wanted to attack from the other end and he just switched sides with the rubber guard it was Dude, super they're both proficient. so they have such good and crazy knee and leg dexterity to get across because like they're he was low in position he wasn't like super high up and sprawled down like he turned the leg over pushed it across the face like he's just there so on to the next match, we had P.J. Barks versus Jason Yosef. Yep, great, great match here, too. There was a bunch of stuff, single-leg sweeps. We saw a really awesome Kimura pass into Spiderweb armbar, into Rolling Kimura. It was one of those, you know, eight-chain, like, video game, like, eight-combo, uh, you know, submission attempts there, and ultimately gets to the back, and P.J. finishes with a neck crank. Dude, we've seen P.J. Like, we saw him last week on On It. Looked... It looked dominant, to say the least, on on it, and this was really similar. Again, he's got those nasty finishes, too. Like, yeah, that looked they, uncomfortable. Yeah. Uncomfortable. But punches across in this crank, and you're like, It was more like, like, you know, the the scene from The Exorcist where the girl's just twisting her head around. It looked more like that than a choke. Would you term it as a bottle top? Yeah, I guess so. A bottle top choke, face crank. So that's that match. Uh, on the next match, we have Richie Martinez versus Samir Ab- Abdukader. Uh, yeah, this was a match, you know. It was a match. And it, Richie wins via heel hook. On yeah, that he match. just kind of he, it, this. This match was he, Richie was on his butt, scooting around, and I think this was a match where he starts slapping the mat, trying to get him to step into it. And he finally, you know, Samir finally tentatively steps in, and Richie just shoots up a, a heel hook. It was, it was, yeah, it was a match. It was a match. So on to the next match, we had Diego Vasquez versus Kyle Boheme. So at this point. Team Ten Planet has already kind of secured this win, and this one goes to overtime, and Kyle Boheme wins via riding time. So, regardless of that match, Tem- Team Tenth Planet takes the win, and four to one, they're going to be against Team Lloyd Irvin in the finals. And what a finals it was! Yeah. So, te- so this is super exciting now because Lloyd's team is already down by one, so they've got to take three wins off this to secure the victory in 10 grand. And so in the first match, we had Tim Spriggs versus Kyle Boheme. And again, it goes to overtime. This match, though, overall was just amazing. I mean, Dude, this Tim was, Spriggs is really fucking good. He's fucking awesome. And he gets, he runs into the elite guys that he, we haven't seen him, like guys like Keenan and Lovato. And like, he's just at that cusp of like super elite guys. He's always in the top three or the top five of anything he's ever in and it was evident here he just jumps over and he's like in mount and he, he hits a leg drag and gets to mount and at that point i you know watching this i was thinking about it and there's very few i mean obviously i get my ass kicked by any of these competitors but there's virtually no one i want either on mount or on my back less than tim spriggs he was just smashing just smashing kyle's face like like almost fist and eye 
you know, covering his mouth. He tried to do a Ezekiel him once, and I just like it looked uncomfortable. Oh, dude, because again, again, he had the short sleeve rash guard, so you can see the flexion on the arms as he tries to like crush the fish. Like, god damn, like, there was one... he's not going to tap him with that, but there's no way that that doesn't suck the entire time he's doing it. Oh, yeah, there was one point where he did the whole like putting a fist in the throat like kind of ezekiel but also just really oh that was no there's one point he didn't have the other hand and he just had a fist in the throat yeah like you're like oh god damn tim sprig's real good yeah so, so tim he, sprig wins that via riding time that's right under the next match we had dj jackson versus richie martinez so dj it took dj all of 15 seconds to demolish richie's rubber guard it was bordering he on didn't even really get disrespectful. Into, he didn't even really get into the rubber guard, honestly. Yeah, but he kind of, like, jumped around his legs and passed, moves into side control, and, like, you see, again, this is where Richie's scary, though, because Richie has a insane ability to regard with his hip dexterity, and you saw DJ, you know, he spent some time and worked to get high enough on Richie's body and, like, upper torso and, like, shoulders so that Richie couldn't just pull his leg through and elevate because Richie's got those long legs and he can lift super well. And the commentators pointed out something really good here, and that's that DJ is just so compact. You know, he 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 occupies space so well that it's hard even for someone as dexterous and skilled as Richie to regard against him. So he just grabs onto a Kimura here, and it's, it's about, DJ. DJ grabs a Kimura from the top, and they fight for it. For we're talking about like this a little bit in the first minutes or oh, something yeah. like that. And like Richie made him work for it. And it was, it's really cool because. The camera angle for this was really nice. It gave you a really good angle of exactly where DJ's hands were and how he was adjusting on the bicep and on the forearm. And it gave you a really good angle of where Richie's hands were, like beyond his own thigh. And then he switched the hand grip and what he would do with his opposite hand, trying to push DJ Jackson's shoulder and like arm up across to adjust the angle. Really interesting high-level hand fighting here. It was pointless. Utterly fucking pointless. DJ is a giant pectoral muscle he's a giant kimura wizard too yeah, which exactly. doesn't help and it, it was weird like you didn't see dj like just clamp super hard on the head like he almost like floated on the top of the torso a little bit and then he got one moment where he could rip the kimura out and, and just lightning fast rips it and bangs richie's arm across the center line takes that richie taps like Instantly. very very quickly but again beautiful camera angle for this match go back and watch this entire hand fight to just see like god damn like the control dj has and then what richie's doing to just stave that off and like work to get out and again you can hear eddie coaching the entire time like do this put your hand here do this okay try this it really really fun match this was one of my favorite matches of this event so the next match is pj barch versus angelo claiborne uh, there was awesome stand-up here. It's sort of like Greco-style. Um, BJ Barsh had a really fucking cool takedown. It's like an inside or it's inside or outside leg I, I forget which one. Yeah, I think can't remember. Was but it was Kochigari or what. But it was Sotogari or Kochigari? It was Kochigari. So it was inside. So it was yeah. inside then. So PJ gets the takedown. He gets to mount. And at this point, he just backsteps into saddle. And he grabs both of Angelo's feet here. It's kind of a position, at least... I was watching it. I mean, you saw we we talked about this before the recording, and you saw something different here than I saw, because and I again I need I need to go watch it again. I've just gotten off this giant trip, so I haven't got a chance to rewatch these things two and three times like we usually do before we record. But PJ has both legs, and he has Angelo like sitting up and kind of like supporting his body with his own hands and it's a really weird position like Angel's almost like sitting straight legged out on the mat but can't seem to get any leverage to pull away or turn and it's a really it's a position that I am not familiar at least from what I was looking at familiar with seeing as much I've seen some of the 
proficient leg lockers, they love this position from saddle where you have both legs because it's sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't on, on the defensive side because the outside leg, you can sort of try to go for toe holds, you can attack it, and usually they'll do that to get the person to respond and expose the inside heel for the inside heel hook, which is what I, th- I that's how I think he finished. I think yeah, he, he just, finished with the inside, but it was like a, it was like both legs were together still when he finished, and so we kind of, and again, it was a, it was at least from what I saw. And again, I will need to go back and rewatch this again, but it was it was a really interesting heel hook finish. Like the PJ didn't look in a position I'm typically used to watching guys finish heel hooks from. And again, I watched it again, but really cool match, beautiful work from PJ. Again, two weeks in a row. So on to the next match, we have or not the next match. It's listed on the results as the next match, but we have Gio Martinez winning via forfeit because he's the 145 pound guy. That's how they had it lined up. So, so they the, get their they get their their second win here. They're at two two right now. And you're so, tied up going into the finals. That's right, dude. And, it was super cool. Like usually with these events, if I'm going to watch them a day later. It always fucking gets spoiled for me. This one somehow I didn't get it spoiled for me, so I got to watch it. and I was like, oh, who's gonna fucking win? And then I got I got to watch the match like fresh, and it's so rare to be able to do that a day later. And the final match ended up being Liz Carmouche and Nigel Rollins. So this is again fucking awesome. We see ten thousand dollars come down to the last match of the tournament and it's a women's match and Liz Carmouche looked fucking good. Not yeah, Nigel put up a tough fucking fight. But Liz looked really good. Like good pressure wrestling, good control, good turnovers. Like had an answer for Nija in every single area of the fight and of the game. And it was it was just a beautiful performance from Carmouche here. And again, this is I hope we see more of Carmouche because I forgot how good she is. I think for some reason, I feel like Carmouche is on the team alpha male team for Quintet. I don't know if she is, but I feel like she is. I might be wrong. It might be Zingano. But again, I want I want to see more of her after this performance. She has a great performance. Eventually, gets like almost to a head and arm or like a dar- like I wouldn't call it a darsh choke, but it's like a head and arm from the back, and it's like a side choke. And she turns over, and you see Nija trying to like almost answer the phone, and like turn, and Liz finishes a beautiful choke from the side, hips all the way out through it, and then you see the tenth planet people just freak out, come on the mat, and like because they, they won, they've won ten grand. Yeah, they rushed the mat. They even said uh, Eddie jumps onto the mat with shoes on. It was. It was. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was nice. Yeah, why the fuck nice is he wearing moment. shoes? I mean, he he wasn't on the mat. You know. He, yeah, but you're next the... to the mat. You know, you're gonna jump on if if you you take your shoes off. Hey, who knows? You earned it. So yeah, great match. Um, great tournament. Like really fun event to watch. And again. It was super exciting. I love going into a final match like two and two, like quintets events like this, where it's like, cool, this comes down to the last two guys who's going to take it. So, yeah, great event. I hope we see more of these. Um, I I think so. This is subversive one, I would assume. So I think this is going to be, there will be hopefully a second subversive, and we'll get to cover it. I hope so, too. This was a really awesome event. I really had a lot of fun watching this. Yeah. So moving on to the fight to win super fights that were on this card. There's a bunch of super fights on this card. We're going to start with the black belt results. We had Thomas Cronin defeating Brian Melendez, or sorry, Mendez, and he now retains the fight to win black belt masters middleweight title. That was in the gi. Um, decision wasn't, that wasn't a close decision, but it was, uh, it was exciting to see these two guys go at it. We had Steve Martinez defeating Brian Clavicilla. Clavicilla via armbar. We had Omar Saba defeating Hector Tapa via choke. 
We had Edmund Kim defeating Fernando Machado via rear naked choke. This was a fun-ass match. Um, this is super back and forth. Again, I haven't seen Fernando in a little bit here, but we've seen, we've seen Kim, I want to say recently, and Kim gets a really like high-body rear naked choke on this. And they roll over, and then you see... Like, the commentator is even surprised that Fernando gets out of the choke. And then Kim rolls the arms back through and almost finishes Imanari style in the short choke. Like, hands super close to the middle of the throat. Beautiful finishing sequence. Go back and watch this finishing sequence just for the control that Kim has on the back. And then for the shift of the hand position to tap Fernando. We have Marvin Castile defeating Adrian Vasquez via heel hook. Really surprising to know one, Emil. Nope. Nope. Mar- oh, Marvin Castillo wins by heel hook. Okay. Yep. Not Sounds surprised. Sounds right. Yep. We had Alice Fonseca defeating Je- Jeff Nolasco via decision. Jeremiah Advance defeats Noah Tillis via heel hook. And we had Cole Franson defeating Chad George via decision. On to the brown belt results. Emil, I've, I've gone this far on the black belts. You do the brown belts now. We've got Connor Donaldson defeating Josh Smith via triangle. Andrew Murillo defeating Robert Lopez versus, by knee bar. PJ Montano defeating... Dimas Heckbert by head and arm choke. Jerry Foster defeating Dennis Andra by Americana. On to the purple belt results. Only two of them this time. Barely Standing defeats Christopher Udan by heel hook. Look, the man's the man's name is listed as Barely Standing. Um, that could be a joke. That could actually be a name. Like, Barely could be a name. <laughs> Evidently. I have never seen anything like that. So I'm assuming someone's fucking with us. Um, but this is on Flow Grappling's website, so maybe an intern's getting fired. Who knows? Next match for the Purple Belts, last match, Isaac Cordova defeating Kwang Lee by decision. So moving on to the UAE King of Mats. This one was in L.A. This was like one of their, was it a Grand Slam? The Grand Slam first, okay. and then King of Mats was the next day, and they invited people from the Grand Slam over to compete in the King of Mats, which was a round robin for yeah. that. So we're just going to cover a couple matches on this one again with all these big tournaments for UAE and IBJJF, and it's really hard to cover all the divisions and keep it interesting. So we're just going to touch on a couple of the matches that we found really interesting, and then we want to talk about. And just overall, the event too. Obviously, you know, this is... This is a, you know, almost world's level in terms of the competitors that are there. It's oh, yeah. Really, really good talent. Dude, we saw we saw Grippo and Meow. Yeah. Like, that's Grippo a match Meow, we see Herber. in the semis and in the finals, like, not infrequently in those divisions at big tournaments. And, like, yeah, this is, they had top level dudes there. Oh, and the guys got paid. They got paid. I like the rules format. You know, you got the six minute matches, and I, I yeah, you like I the shorter matches. I too. don't know if you know. I could be confirmation bias, but I feel like the matches that I saw were a lot more exciting because of that six minutes. Also, so, the bad matches can only be so bad. Yeah, I, we've talked about this repeated. repeated we should repeatedly on keep the show. an eye on it. You know, like I, I, I like the six minute thing, and the other thing is that guys seem to push the pace more in six minutes. Yeah. In all, in all honesty, like I, I will agree. Thinking about coverage. The past coverage that we've done of UAE versus IBJJF, those six-minute matches, it's it's like almost like you get a treat. Like, oh, shit, this guy, oh, it's a quick match. Oh, shit, six minutes. Even if it goes to the decision, it's usually a lot more back and forth. Guys are really fighting hard for the for the sweeps and for the passes because they only have like four minutes in those positions. That's right. And the other thing is that the UAE, you know, JJF does not fuck around. And I've seen it. Penalize and DQ your ass aggressively. Or sometimes a sheik will just be like, I'm not giving you money. Like this happened back when Meow, I can't remember which Meow brother was, faced Keenan at one of their tournaments. And basically they said, you're not getting any prize money. They they DQ'd him on the spot for stalling. They pulled both of them. 
And so they didn't give a fuck. And and people knew who they were. This was a highlight brown belt level match, and they were just bored with it. So 2013? Yeah, I think it was around 2013, 2014. That's when they win brown belts, I think. Somewhere so. around there. And so I have a feeling that that plays into how competitive people are and how much they push it. So it's, it's a good overall event. Uh, it's just, you know, when you're watching it, it's one of those, there's eight mats. you got to kind of yeah, it's, pay it's attention. Yeah, it's a tournament style. It's a tournament style major event. They're hard to fucking cover. So let's get to the matches we want to talk about. So the big one was the final where Johnny Grippo defeated Paulo Miao for the first time ever. This was a huge deal. They uh, meet pretty frequently, too. All the time. And in this case, you know, Gianni got the win. He got he won by sweep. Uh, some people were saying that there was a little bit of controversy there, but it, I watched it. It looked completely clean to me. Looks like he stabilized. Uh, it was a sweep from 50-50. It was an awesome match. And there was a moment there, actually, where um, they the ref paused the match and took, like, Two minutes to retie Paolo's belt. It was so awkward. Dude, they take... Okay, we've seen people take forever to tie Paolo's shit up. Like, we saw this year at the Worlds. Like, they made him... It was the versus the freest match. They made him retie his pants, like, six... It was like, probably four separate times. Like, because Freest was like, his pants are coming off, his pants are coming off. And they're like, oh, shit. And they eventually, like, tied it, like, super tight. And, like, okay, his pants are back from... Because that's what he does. He makes him a little loose, so when you try to barambolo his ass... He, like, you can't grab his pants grip. Well, didn't save his ass this time. He lost, so congrats to Gianni. I like both these guys. Yeah, so. no, they're awesome. And they were actually both really congenial afterwards. You know, lots of mutual respect. Um, that was awesome to see. Another big piece of news from the tournament, Herberth is back. Again? Again. Was he the Terminator at this point? I don't know, but he even started a little slow. You know, his first two matches were like ads and penalty wins. Well, because the first of the tournament, yes. not the King of Mats. Yeah, yeah, correct. So of, we're, of the we're, tournament. Yeah, right now we're still just talking about the LA Grand Slam for Abu Dhabi. We haven't moved into the King of Mats yet. But he ends up winning the tournament too, so, you know, I mean, in his division. So, you know, he, he did it in awesome fashion. He did that versus uh, Max Jimenez is how they... It is Jimenez. Yeah, okay. That's that's how they pronounce it. Uh, by a lightning toehold, which is something that we talked about recently. Yeah. With, with Nogi pans. We thought we were going to see that a lot Versus more. Gordon and Gordon was like, "Nah, the back. nah." RNC the whole way. But in this, we saw it a bunch. He had it here. He had, uh, I think, two more toeholds, or no, he had one more toehold at least in the King, King of Mats. Of Mats. Yep. Um, and there was toeholds everywhere, actually. So I think. It's definitely a submission that, you know, again, maybe confirmation bias, but I'm starting to see it a lot more. So that was an awesome match, too. Uh, you had Kane and Duarte, you know, almost making a deep run, but he ended up getting halted um, by... Dude, Black Belt's fucking rough. Like, again, we've just... We've seen him... Okay, we looked up his record a little bit ago, and he has all oh, those things Black Belt. But those major events, dude, you're running into really fucking good Black Belts now, and it's a little different than the Brown Belt. And like, uh, to be game. fair, it was essentially a closeout, you know, like, yeah. you know, with, with Gustavo. But, you know, it was... he, You know, he, he made a pretty deep run. Uh, you know, whether or not that match was uh, at full, you know, it seemed like they were kind of at oh, 70%. Yeah, in, in case you don't know... Um, UAE does not allow closeouts. Right, which so, is dope. Yeah, I so if, I like if that. you run into your teammate in the finals, like, cool, you guys both sign up for this division. Like, you will have a match, and if you, like, cheat the system or do a fake match, like, you're both DQ'd. So you, you get some, in UAE, get some really interesting matches from guys that are on the same team, and it's like, oh, shit, look at this match. And uh, we saw, who was it? 
forget who we saw recently. It might have been Keenan versus someone. It was, I think it was two Athos guys. Really, you get some really cool matches that are super rare occasionally where someone will come up with a victory. You're like, oh, shit, I didn't know they could beat them. So this was, this was kind of one of those matches. If you are going to go back and watch any match, I would definitely recommend watching the Jose Lima versus uh, Nakamura. The, this is the finals for the 56-kilogram adult black belt. There, This was an awesome back and forth. Each side had a, at least three or four sweeps. You know, The final score was like 8-8. Eight, eight. And uh, huge, huge back and forth match. Huge back and forth. Nakamura like six fucking minutes. Yeah, that's it was packed, and then Nakamura wins by rear naked choke with 15 seconds left on the clock. It's a really exciting match. Definitely recommend going back and, and watching this one. And finally, out of the big results, is actually one that is it's. We want to see more out of Kennedy Marcial, but he ended up getting stopped by uh, Thiago Macedo two two to nothing. But it's Kubrinich kid. Cabrinha's yeah. kid. It's cr- that's just think about that. Cabrinha. You love Cabrinha. It's he's thirty nine or forty. I can't remember I how old he's he is. Forty now. He's st- still not just competitive, but like the best in the division now that Hoff is gone. You know, in the adults at Worlds and. Yeah. He has a son that's a black belt that's also a new black belt. That's a good new black belt. Yeah, that's crazy. We haven't seen like I think we'll see as these as this generation get old gets older. We see a lot of guys and women, you know, at the highest level, and their kids are on the mats a lot. Yeah, and we see like Galvao has again a lot of them are younger. Like Galvao's daughter, younger. You have Eddie Bravo's kid. You have. Who else has like you have Mackenzie Dern and Megaton, but Megaton we were talking about this earlier. Megaton's in done most of his like big big stuff at, at Masters. Yeah, I think he still will try to compete sometimes at Worlds, you know. But I mean, um, he has competed more than any other black belt at Worlds ever. Yeah. So props to him. But you, I think we're going to see the next generation of superstars and superstars kids come through, and I think he is the you know, Kennedy's the first kind of crop of that. Absolutely. So moving on to the UAE King of Mats. Is it King of the Mat or King of Mats? It's King of Mats. Okay, King of Mats. I always fuck this one up. So this was the following day. This was on Sunday, right? So the Grand Slam was on Saturday. And then after that tournament, they invited 10 people into yeah, a round in, robin. It's an invite. Yeah. 10, 10 competitors into a round robin. Two groups. You have Group A and Group B. In Group A, you had Herbert Santos, Jackson Souza, Hudson Mateus, Gerard Lubinsky, and Alexandro Sassoni. In Group B, you had Gutenberg Pereira, Piera. Piera, Ricardo Evangelista, Gabriel Argus, Tanner Rice, and Adam Wardzinski. Both of those brackets are murderers. That's murderers row. And, and, and it's a round robin. So within each bracket... Within each group, you have to fight everyone else in the group. So that's basically. four. That's four matches just to get out and get into the semifinals. And again, here we see Herberth in true form, going four and zero. When he looks good, he looks so fucking good. Yeah, he is so at that weight class. His passing, his hips, his hip movement, like the way he gets around the guard and just gets guys is impressive i think the terrifying thing is watching him is how still he stands for a moment and then it just explodes and is going 110 miles an hour i want to say it was at worlds or something in the last six months we saw him some guy goes to he's standing 
A guy goes to jump guard on him, and you watch the slow-mo on it. The guy jumps guard, almost wraps his legs. Herbert then starts moving, sprawls out of the guy jumping guard, and passes before they both hit the ground. That's I was bananas. like, what the fuck? Like, it's just... He is a crazy athlete to watch, and he's a really good black belt. So the way that this format works is that each group has five. They do the round robin, and then the top two from each group progresses into the semifinal. So Herberth obviously takes slot one. Jackson Souza, and by the way, that 4-0, he has a toe hold against Hudson Mateus, which is no joke. No. And he has a wrist lock versus Alexandro. So he, you know, wins four of those by two of them are submission. That's awesome. Which the high level is relatively rare like, yeah you know especially especially the larger divisions you don't see high level guys getting subbed very frequently so you have the next person to progress is jackson souza he's going three and one uh in that group and then the people that didn't progress you have hudson mateus at three and one um one win by submission and one loss by submission as well uh Lubinsky at zero and three and he had to withdraw due to injury uh, and then Alexandro Sassoni loses all four and two by submission. So out of Group B, the, you have Gutenberg Pereira. Yep, that's what he said. He's a, he's a champion to fight to win. We saw him in Maryland card uh, compete against Tim Spriggs and take the heavyweight title. So Gutenberg goes 3-1. and one. Ricardo Evangelista goes 3-1, and one, and those two progress. And then the people that don't progress, you have Gabriel Arges, 1-3, and three, Tanner Rice, 0-4. And Adam Wardzinski, who's three and one, but due to the tie-breaking rules, didn't pro- progress. Yeah, again, they, again, this group, this is a fun. Again, they both groups are super fun. I love the King of Mats because you get to watch a bunch of guys go against a bunch of guys. Again, guys get a little more tired towards the end, so the matches that you get later in the day aren't necessarily as even. If you guys have easier matches, you get so you do see that in King of Mats. It's the one thing I kind of go. Eh. Why I'm always a little hesitant on the tournament format and the round robin format because you maybe don't get the best performances out of the guys at the end of the day, especially a day after a major tournament. Yeah. You know, like these guys are exhausted. Um, but uh, out of so out of the round robin, there were 19 matches. One didn't occur because of the injury. Four there was only four submissions, right? So that's whatever, like a 20 percent submission rate. Are we doing math over here again? Yeah, l- listen to this. So. 20% submission rate, two two out of those four were tolds, and two out of the four were Herbert. So mm-hmm. Herbert is accounting for 50% of the submissions uh, from that round it's robin. Like I'm back so, in the stats class in college. Dude, yeah. I'm just saying he's he's looking good. Yeah, that's, th- that, that's that gives badass. you an indication of how dominant he was in this. Absolutely. That he's, he, in the early preliminary rounds, subbed 50, had 50% of the submissions of the event. Yeah. That's bananas. So, on to the semifinals. So you have Jackson Souza defeating Ricardo Sassoni 2-0. and oh, And there was a moment here where they went to this really awesome four-way camera shot from four different angles. Look, you're talking about production. Dude, production it, was, quality. it was dope. It was, I really liked it. You know, it's kind of like a spider view. Yeah. You know, where so you can see eyes. a bunch of different... You could look at anything you wanted. Now... During an explosive moment, that might have been a little distracting, but this was during a really technical fight, sort of from like a, a deep half position, and so it was really nice to be able to see like you know exactly what the position was, you know, and and things like that. So for a more static position, I think it's a nice view to yeah. take. Again, I like I have no issue ever with like a picture in picture or something. If you have the camera angles, like let me see it because there might be something that I am trying to look at that I can't see from this angle. So next match, Herbert Santos defeating Gutenberg. Um, well, this is actually, they didn't post this match. It looked like, uh, Gutenberg, uh, was actually injured. So he didn't, he didn't progress here. Um, 
they they called it a win by walkover. Um, but they also cited an injury. One those, it's one of those terminologies where they call it, yeah, walkover. What does a walkover mean? I don't know. I, I mean, think you see it in, is it a, you see it in judo, maybe? I'm not sure. Win by but, walkover. But Herbert progresses, and, and there's no video for this to So on to the finals. We have Herbert Santos versus Jackson Souza. This is a decision. It's an explosive match as, as per usual, but um, in this case, neither side really getting the the game going, the A game going, but, you know, Herbert's showing way more aggression here. and As he does when he's on. Yeah, when he's when he's got that killer instinct going, he's unstoppable. Dude, when, when Herbert is gone and Herbert shows up, he's a monster. And so hopefully, again, we see him again. We see him soon, and we see Herbert showing up. And, dude, I mean, he's a world champion. Like, and, and performances like this show you why. This is a high-caliber event so absolutely go back and watch it lots of great great matches here yeah so real quick we want to touch on uh something we previewed last week king of the mat grappling they had their third event king of the mat three this is super confusing to cover two events with such similar names this weekend um but just want to talk about them very briefly uh alex hody is now their champion at 155 got a dope ass belt won some money and he won all of his matches by submission. This was like an EBI format event. Uh, there's a highlight on their Instagram of a couple of the matches. Um, super great backpack slam from John Burroughs on King of the Mats. It's great. Like, his opponent literally stands up and, like, jumps back trying to wake him of the body, trying to get him off his back. He does it Twice. two times and isn't able to get it. And it's, again, just great. I love watching slams. I love seeing stuff like this. And there's another really cool armbar that they posted from um, Matt Schaefer. And he just jumps over. Like, uh, I think Gao Vao has an instructional on this. And one of his early, early instructionals in the gi, I think it's called, um, like, Winning Techniques or something. And he shows, basically, how to do this exact same armbar. The guy sits down, and you basically jump over their guard and pull the arm across and finish the arm. So they had an event. Go back. Take a look at that if you're interested in it, but we want to touch on it real briefly because we talked about it last week. So now on to Sumo. The Akiba Show has ended, and we have the results of the tournament. And what a result it was, Emil. Hakuho going 15-0, and winning every single bout for the Zen Show You Show. That is the term for basically undefeated. He went undefeated this entire Ba Show at Yokozuna. He now passes 1,000 career wins at Makaushi, which is the highest division in sumo, and this is his forty-first championship. It's I, th- I I can't remember off the top of my head. I looked this up a while ago, and I think the next highest, you know, there was a Yokozuna that might have had I think it was under twenty. I mean, like there's no one that comes even close to how dominant Hakuho is. Dude's thirty-three. He's 33. He's been a Yokozuna for 11 years. Yeah, I looked at us. <laughs> we were looking up like, how long you've been Yokozuna, and it was since 2007. I was like, that's like 15 years. And Emil's like, calm down with the math there. <laughs> well, it's 11. It's 11 years. There's, I, I, I can't think of an analogy in professional sports in the United States anyway. The closest I can think of is maybe Serena Williams in terms of just sheer dominance. Of a sport of like overall. Yeah, I can't think of I can't think of another example of someone who's been as dominant at the highest level. We have people that are dominant in like lower levels and other other sports, but to have a sport that is this big and to have someone who is this dominant across such a length of time. And and that there's no argument for and not even like 
a remote second. You know, no. usually in other sports, they're like, oh, yeah, well, one but guy, number this two guy, guy. He's really good at a different era. Then, but like, no, this is – there's no – I mean, nobody. Hakuho is just – he is the greatest rikishi of all time, and there's you, there's no disputing it. And, and he won this tournament with all of the Oseki and all of the Yokozuna present. Yeah. No there one was, went Kujo. No one, no one dropped out. There was just like – I mean – um you God damn it. I'm thinking of the name there, Mio. Yutakayama. Yutakayama went Kujo two days, but everyone else in the top. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's too. Yeah, yeah. He's not even, uh, you know, one of the upper yeah, ranks. Yeah, we had Kakuryu going 10-5. and five. We had Kisei Nosato going 10-5, and five, getting his Zen Yusho, getting his winning record. So I do not know uh, if Kachikoshi, they were... Kachikoshi, but yeah. Kachikoshi. Yeah, actually, all of all the Yokozuna and all of the Ozeki got Kachikoshi. Guido is, went 12-3. and three. So I think they're all off of that, like, weird quasi-suspension status as Ozeki. Like, as Oseki, if you don't do well one tournament, they put you on warning. Right. If you do poorly in two consecutive tournaments, then you get demoted. Right. Um, so, yeah, all of them are at Ozeki. Are, they're all know, good. So, game. that's Goedo, Takiyasu, and Tochinoshin all getting Kachikoshi. Yep. Ichinojo uh, is He barely squeaked. Uh, yeah, he got at his Sekiwake Kachikoshi. And, yep. uh, at um also at Sakawaka, we have Mitekume going 9-6. and six. Uh, Tamawashi didn't have a great basho. Went four and eleven. Yeah, and uh, you had uh, Takakesho going nine and six. But I mean, that's all of the. Basically, Tamawashi is the only upper rank who who didn't get uh, Kachikoshi. So. Yeah, in the lower divisions at Magashira fourteen, we have Takayosho, which is the first time that he has been at the upper division. He also goes eight and seven. So. Has a pretty good basho. Will most likely stay at uh, Magashira. Oh, Endo had a terrible tournament, three and twelve. Not Oof. a great tournament for Endo, yeah. so he probably will drop down a couple. He'll, he'll get demoted again because I think a couple basho go. He was up at Magashira one. I think, and it looks one like or two. I think. I think it was right. one. I think he okay. hit one, and then uh, it looks like he's he's dropped and he's going to drop again. Uh, so maybe he's injured. Um, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, but, but the story really for this basho is. The, the, all the big guys are back. Again, hopefully Kisa Nosato. I don't know if he's injured. I don't know how he's going to do. Dude, but 10 and 5, is that's a that's a respectable, that's a very, very good uh, showing. Yeah, especially Yokozuna. Yokozuna. You know, especially you had, he had, you know, he's going to have to go against all the Ozeki and all the other Yokozuna. So that's that's great. It's good to see uh, that he's he is up there right now. Awesome. So as far as uh, for bonuses for the Basho, looks like for the first time ever they didn't award any. That seems unprecedented to say the least. Yeah, we looked at we. I paused and looked it up, and I went, "I'm very confused by this." Um, yeah, so we will we will talk to Josh and figure out if he knows anything else about this. But yeah, it looks like they didn't award any bonuses this this tournament. Don't know why. I uh, can't figure it out. But hey. it happens. Anything else, Adam? Neil? Nope, I'm good. Awesome. So, moving into the preview section of the show, on to Rise Submission Invitational number 5 in Long Island, New York, happening on September 28th, 2018. I fucking love Rise. Love watching it. So, top of the card from the bottom of the card. We uh, These matches are 10-minute rounds plus one EBI-style overtime round. We have a 170-pound super fight, Mateus Lutz versus Nick Ronan. This will be a good match. We also have on this card a match that I'm super excited about, Marcelo Cohen versus Frank Rosenthal. We saw Cohen last week on Men of War 3, where he defended his 125-pound title. And we saw Frank, I want to say, on On It, when he defeated Ricky Lule uh, via that really cool... Um, 
where Ricky Lule st- stood up and Greg Frank had the body triangle in, where they could choke in overtime. So I am super excited about this. It's interesting to see Cohen going up so much. I think Frank sits around, sits closer to 145, so it'll be really interesting to see how this match plays out. This is the one that I'm very much excited for. There's also a four pound, four pound, Jesus, a four man, 185 pound EBI's rule tournament. Ryan Quinn versus Steve Kasten and Chris Schlesinger versus Enrique Galarza. Man, I need you for the names. Give me the rest of them here. So the rest of these matches are 10-minute super fights, uh, sub or draw. So we have Hugh McKenna versus Joe Magni. At 205 pounds. Tito Hartz versus Joe Tarlcio. At 165. Aldo Orenville versus Carlos Rosado. At 155. Ray Ray versus TBD. To be determined. So Stingray. We saw him in the last Rise card. I think we've seen him... Uh, maybe a couple times since then. He's a super fun guy from 10th Planet. And then on this, we have, on the rest of the card, we have a bunch of other brown belts, a bunch of purple belts. Again, we were super confused about how this card ran last time. They're going to, if they do it the same way they did it last time, they're going to open it up with the prelims, go through a lot of the lower undercard fights, which were a lot lot of fun, and move into the main card and then move into the tournament, then into the title matches, into the super fight at the top of the card. So, again, this was a lot of fun to watch last time. Should be a lot of fun this time. So moving on to the preview for Fight to Win 87 in Dallas, Texas, also happening on September 28, 2018. This one is main evented by a female black belt Nogi title, Chelsea Lyons versus Anna Carolina Vieira. Baby, I think she just got married or just got engaged. I think, uh, I forget, Josh was talking about that. So under that, we have a Masters black belt heavyweight title in the Gi, Alan Shabaro versus Alexander Smeo. Come on, man. You got to give me these names. Sassoni. Actually, we just saw him. Uh, he was in the... We just talked about him. He was in um, King of Mats for oh, Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, this is, is going to be an awesome match. Yeah. So we show that. And then below that, we have a 180-pound black belt gi match. We've got Rafael Barbosa versus Luis Eduardo. Under that, we have a 220-pound black belt gi match. Ryan Sandigan versus Carlos Alberto. Carlos yeah. Alberto. We have a 210-pound black belt nogi match. Rocky Budri versus Eric Shambari. And a 185-pound black belt gi match. Brandon Leibel versus Jay King. And we have a 185-pound black belt gi match. Sina Haddad versus Carlos Martinez. We have a 180-pound black belt gi match. Marcus Antelante versus Mark Vives. Mark, is it Vives or Vives? Vives? I can't remember. Dude, this is every I cannot time. Believe- We talked to the man. He told us. I was there. He was super pleasant. We're going to continue to fuck this up. I've got I've to go back to the old episodes and listen again to figure out what Josh said because I'm so sorry, Mr. Mr. Vives or Vives. I'm so sorry. 180-pound uh, black belt gi match. Igor Pavia versus Will Durkee. 170-pound black belt gi match. Vinicius Agudo versus Levy Peterson. 170-pound black belt gi match. Albert Hughes versus Keith Miner. Oh, shit. Keith Miner, I think, is the dude that has the um, the amputated hand. Oh, yeah, that's right. Him. Yeah, dude, yeah he's yeah. fucking funny. Shit to watch. I love watching him compete. So, uh, one of, just a quick aside, um, one of my first instructors also uh, was missing an arm, and he was fucking savage. Yeah, dude, he has that choke where he just puts it in there. Yeah. I, think, I think that's who that is. Awesome. So that'll be a super exciting match. I love watching Keith compete. We have a 160-pound black belt gi match. Eddie Sainz versus Juan Tatum. 
We have a 155-pound black belt gi match. Gilson Nunez versus Casey Gray. 155-pound black belt gi match. Mateus Gabriel versus Thiago Macedo. We have a super heavyweight brown belt no gi title match. Travis Clark versus Chris Robertson. God, this is a, this is a loaded card. And then we move on to other brown belt matches and then other purple belt Jesus, matches. Jesus, how yeah. many? We have like 40 matches, matches. A yellow belt match. Dude, it's a big card. Dallas, man. But think of how many black belts we had on the event. I mean, we have yeah. a ton of black belts on this card. It's going to be fucking huge. Dude, there are 14 black belt matches on this card. That's bananas. It's going to be great. So Dallas is going to put on. I'm Again, this is awesome. I'm looking through these cards. Again, I love I love previewing these things because you get to look through like the whole card and you're like, oh shit, this match is on. Oh, this guy's on here. I just, I love, I love what we do. It's awesome to do this every single week and just be like be able to follow jiu-jitsu constantly. Yeah, absolutely. And you get to see these names and be familiar with people who, you know, may, might not be showing up to Worlds but are still putting on fire matches in these other promotions and stuff like that. It's, it's awesome. Great. It's, I love I love covering it. So that does it for our preview of Fight to Win 87 in Dallas, Texas. So on to our preview of EBI, Eddie Bravo Invitational, the Combat Jiu-Jitsu 185-pound middleweight tournament. Holy shit, they do not make it easy to find who's in this motherfucker. I can't describe how long it just took me in Maine to find this shit. Um, If you're a promoter, please make it on a website, all in one location, who your competitors are, what time it starts with the time zone. It's on Fight Pass. And so Fight Pass does well, have I'm just, the time I'm, that it starts. I'm speaking generally here, the things that we need and how people who want to watch it need time zone with the time, where you can stream it, right? Yeah, that's that's a that's a Dude, e- EBI is great because we know exactly where it is. But you'd be surprised how often there's stuff we want to cover on the show that literally it's Sunday night and we're recording. It's like. Oh, but where, where, where's the thing? It's like I have, I couldn't find it. I literally couldn't find where it streamed. And that's great to get people to you know watch it live. And then if you want to watch people, have people watch it after the fact, put results up, you know, in the same spot. But yeah. all of the every single promotion seems to have it all over the place and stuff like that, you know. So so that's it's, it's not just a shit on EBI. That's like it know. took us a while to <laughs> figure just, this out, but it's, we it's, found it. Go find it on Instagram and on the Eventbrite page. They actually have all the competitors up. So in the 185 pound middleweight tournament, as of now when we're reading this off of, we've got Bobby Emmons, we've got Chris Big Perp Shangoli, we have Dan Martinez, we have DJ Abshire, Abshire, we have Philippe. You why am I doing this? Fogelin. Give me the names. Versus we have Gabrielle Checo Hunter. Colvin. I think it's Gabriel, by the way. Gabriel? Not Gabriel. Okay. Uh, Gabriel Checo. You said it twice tonight, and I'm just like, I you keep you call him um, Gabriel Argus, and I was like, I think it's Gabriel Argus. Fair enough. Hunter Colvin, Jesse Taylor, John Thor Blank, Josh Neer, God damn, Kyle Josh Chambers. Neer's an old school dude. Yeah. That's old school MMA. Matt Secker, Nick Green, Sergio Rios, Steven Martinez, Tamden McCrory. The barn cat. Yeah, so, Nick Green's Korean Bamba. We've seen him on Fight to Win. He's a dope ass ref. He has these stunner shades. They're like they're giant glasses that he watches the matches in and refs. Nice. He's uh, under Half, I think. He's under Kurt or Half. I forget which one. I think he's under Kurt, actually. Oh, now that rep- they've split. But yeah. he represents Half. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, yeah, there's this. Is, uh, oh, well, you know, Kurt and Half split, right? Yeah, I knew that. Okay, okay. But I think he's still listed as, oh, being, see, as representing Half okay. in this. So. so, yeah, I mean. This is a, actually this is good. actually a really exciting matchup. There's more names on this EBI that Ganaka McCall recently has ever been on an EBI. Yeah, and, you know, combat <laughs> jiu-jitsu, uh, that's always an interesting format, too. So, this really should be just, really Are you going to talk over the sneeze? Am I going to cut that? 
Nah, man, fuck it. Keep it. It's Monday night, man. This goes out in four hours. I'm exhausted. Just just keep it in there. Dude, man. you're exhausted. I'm exhausted. <laughs> so honestly, the Eventbrite page at the bottom of the page has a contact email, has a pay-per-view, has a UFC stream, has a website. So honestly, that's honestly a pretty good way to do that. Um, so there's also alternate matches for this as well. There's alternate match one, which is Joe Cropshot versus Nick Shemo. And there's alternate match two, which is Kyle Boheme versus Joe Buys. So honestly, those are both really good matches. So I hope we see those matches as well. Um, I don't think there are any other super fights on this card or anything that I can see. No. What's that? So this is going to be a super fun. Again, we could go into much more detail it's on a- this, but we realistically, whenever we cover an EBI or any sort of tournament format, before we know the brackets, we don't like to speculate too too much because it really just leads to us like bullshitting through a bunch of like, oh, this guy could meet this guy. And it's like, cool, those guys didn't meet. We talked about it for five minutes, and if they meet in the next six or eight months, like it might be a completely different match, and we've kind of wasted the time. Yep. So we don't like to speculate too too much. Speaking of that. Is there any match that you do want to see here, Emil? I have no idea, especially with combat jiu-jitsu. That's such a, a different rule set here. It's hard for me to speculate, you know, who's going to... I think they added up kicks now. Oh, shit. So they had that weird get there. Again, this is still pretty... Again, you, I like... You know I, what I want to see? I want to see Tim Spriggs in a combat jiu-jitsu format. I want to see DJ, DJ Jackson. Yeah. he's actually fought. Yeah. Like him, that... What I love... Dude. I want to see combat jiu-jitsu. I want to see guys that are like... MMA fighters and also jiu-jitsu guys. Like, guys like Josh Neer. It's like, oh, good jiu-jitsu fighter. Also, like, good MMA fighter. Yeah. Like, that's what I want to say. Jesse Taylor, good jiu-jitsu guy. We've seen him on, um, we've seen him on Quint, not Quintet, um, on it. And we've, like, he's an MMA fighter. Yeah. Like, I want to see guys like that. I love when they bring MMA fighters. Like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. these guys can bang and they have really good jujitsu. I wonder, you know, if as he retires, Joe Lazan's going to be more involved in this stuff because that would be a fucking phenomenal. That would actually be really good. Yeah. Dude, ha- dude has subs for days, has tons of performance of the night bonuses for UFC. So, yeah, yeah, so this is super exciting. Again, we don't know a ton about what the brackets are going to look like. Um, probably brackets will be released in like three hours after the show comes out. So keep a lookout for those. Um, we might post something on social media this week with, you know, some bracket thoughts and predictions but again it all depends on what we got going on this week so again i'm super excited about this i think Emilio, you the same yeah yeah this is always great the production quality is always great we have these weird fucking datu sar commercials we're gonna have to sit through <laughs> and we're gonna give their commentary boatloads of shit as previously hopefully they have great commentary this time yeah hopefully one of them fucks up again calls it their weird 10th planet name and eddie bravo just calls it the actual name like it happened with the esteem lock earlier yeah so that does it. I think that's it for previews. I know we're missing like one or two events. Uh, I don't think ACBJJ is this weekend because we always forget that. But uh, I think that does it for events. Anything else you want to talk about, Emil? I'm, I don't know. I'm feeling great. That's I'm, awesome. Yeah. I just... yeah you, you, wait, you wait for it, which we get six months in <laughs> and we're covering like eight events in a weekend. You're like, yo, why is there 14 things happening this weekend? <laughs> I meant just personally, like, yeah, it's been fun doing this podcast, but yeah. I just had a deep tissue massage and I'm feel fucking amazing right Ooh, now that's nice yeah. yeah so coming up on the bracket on the bracket jesus on the lineup for upcoming events we oh, got yeah. quintet three yep. we got the adcc european trials number one fight to win 88 we got world series of grappling two we have ibjgf la pro we have 
Marinas Pro in Japan. We have Battle Grapple 3 end of the month for October. So that's just October stuff right now. And I'm still missing stuff at the end of October after like the first week of October. I'm just pumped that Quintet has this momentum. You know, like they're they're really putting on events after events here. And Dude, I'm hoping... they're putting on Frank Mir versus Satoshi <laughs> yeah. as a super fight match. Yeah. I fucking am. I There's love your freak show, man. Fra- I lo- that's not, both those guys are like... <laughs> 250. Yeah, but Those they're ancient. Big, dude, they are ancient. Yeah. But they're both like super good grapplers. Yeah. Like, dude, I want to see Frank out of the UFC doing some grappling matches outside of that <laughs> testing pool. I want to see it. Japan dude, guys, rules, man. Dude, I'm, I'm so excited for that. Again, I don't know. I think they have a couple other super fight matches lined up. We're going to preview that next week after we do the EBI show. EBI shows are always a ton of fun for us because uh, we usually talk about most of the matches. And with this being a combat jiu-jitsu tournament, I assume there's going to be some craziness involved with that as well. So we got an exciting week coming up with matches and events. And uh, what do you got going on this, Emil? For both, that was in English. What do you have going on this week, Emil? This week? No, nah, it's it's pretty chill week. What about you, man? What's going on? Uh, same thing. I'm going get, to get over this giant drive that I took. You know, I was thinking about... You, Think about that. You're tired from a drive. Now, imagine, I was just thinking about this. We we were talked about a bunch of competitors with this weekend that we had to talk about last weekend at Pans and stuff like that. Dude, we covered Craig Jones two days in a row. I know. Well, I just think about what they're going through. You think you're tired, right? What, like, what, what do you do? I want to know what they do to keep themselves together after having to compete just like yeah, like guys like Wagner Hosha, they like you oh, saw him. I think or Johnny, Johnny, you know Johnny competed at Pans, you know one yeah, Pans, Grimpo. and then he was at, he was at uh, DC the week before that. Yeah, dude, that's a... and then he was at Abu Dhabi. He was that was in uh, LA this week. Yeah, so that means he's been three, three separate three weeks in a row. Savage, savage tournaments. Oh, know? and he won. Yeah, all three of them. Yeah. He won DC Open his division. He won Pans. Yeah, and he won this. So how division. like what do what do you think he's like? What's he doing? To not fall apart at the seams. That's what I want to know. I don't know. How, how, how do all these guys at the highest level like maintain that kind of travel? Because, again, it's not like you can compete locally. Like You're competing in your region, in your city. Or sometimes internationally. Saying, you're competing in your city once a year, twice a year, maybe. Yeah. Like The Lloyd guys have it a little easier with, like, okay, you have some stuff in D.C. and Boston. New York. Or, like yeah. It's all kind of day trips. Like The New York guys have it a little easier. It's like, okay, day trips to here and there. Yeah. But, like... You move outside of those. Even the Cali guys have to travel frequently, far, a lot. Like Jamil from you know has to goes goes to Korea and does Spider. And Craig Jones is in fucking Australia. Dude, yeah, he, he was in two everywhere. different countries. Yeah, I remember that in the same week. He's... He was in I think the U.S. for EBI, and I think he was in Quintet the week before. Something like he had something in Japan. He was or in Quintet, and he had another event that he was on either later that week. Or I think it was some... the same weekend. I remember yeah. it being. I think like it was like a. I think it was a fr- ridiculous a Friday, turnaround. and then he was on a, something on a Sunday. Yeah, yep. And it was just like, geez, and it was it was literally across the world. Savage, absolutely. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what they do. I want to know, like, dude, if they're like grinding up orphans or something and bathing in their dude, blood, or I have no idea. Yeah, right. I literally like. I got off work. I left my house and started driving at like two fifteen on Thursday afternoon. Um, I'm a savage. So I didn't have a place to go that night. I was like, I'm either staying at Rachel's dad's house in Maine, and that's going to be about nine and a half to eleven or thirteen. Maine, did hours. you sleep in your car? No, no, no. no. So here's did the back. Uh-huh. here's the better story. Yeah, a uh, really good friend of mine also runs a podcast called We Need to Talk. Uh, Stephen Stephen Meter. See, how the fuck do you say his name? Uh-huh. I've only known the man for like ten years, a decade. Meter. Everyone calls him Meter. Um, so he was like, Hey, what's your address? And when you off work? And he was like, This is my address. 
And I was like, I'm off work at 4.30. And so uh, I called him at 4.30. <laughs> He's like, give me like five more minutes. So he finishes up. I call him like, hey, what are you doing tonight? He goes, nothing. I was like, can I stay at your house tonight? He was like, <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's fine. Where are you? I was like, I'm about five hours out. He goes, oh, cool. I thought you were like at my door right now. <laughs> and uh, I chilled at his house, woke up in the morning. And because he leaves work super early. And so I woke up. I was like, all right. I am literally like two or three hours away on on, on a good end. And really because it was, it was Friday morning, I was not going to hit much traffic where I was going because I was kind of outside Boston by about an hour and a half. I was like, let me find some jiu-jitsu around me. So I Googled. I was like, jiu-jitsu near me. I was like, who has morning classes? Because it was like, there's probably a morning class at like 9 or 10. found the Triumph BJJ place uh, in Nashua. 8.30 class. Awesome. I was like, this is awesome. Woke my ass up. Got to Dunkin' Donuts. Got a little coffee. Got a little breakfast sandwich. And then I drove over to them and I was like... Hey, like, I didn't email them beforehand. I just, like, showed up. I was like, either they're cool with that or they're not. And I just showed up, and he was like, yeah, come train. You know, we just class starts a little later on 8.45, and, uh, you know, I got my stuff together. I was like, gi or no gi? He was like, it's gi. So I put my gi on out of my car because I had it just in case, <laughs> even though I was going to a wedding. But I had gi stuff and no gi stuff. That and, sounds about uh, right. I put my gi on, and it was really funny because we're close enough to Maine where a lot of the guys I used to train with, some of the guys at that gym had fought the guys that I used to train with in Maine. Oh, cool. Because there was a pro fighter there yeah, that had fought world. a bunch of guys from that gym. Cause, and it was really funny. Like, oh, yeah, I've seen your fights. I've seen you, like, uh, choke dudes from our old gym out. Like, that was <laughs> that was cool. So, again, super friendly gym. I love I love jiu-jitsu for that reason. There's no other sport I know of. Because I've trained um, down in, like, North Carolina, in Maine, in different places in Maine, in Colorado. We've dropped into places, like, all over the place. There's I've never met a more friendly community. I can just show up to this guy's gym Dude, at yeah. 8 in the morning. And he'd be like, yeah, just you know, put your gear on. And like, we just trained. Everyone was cool. We worked really great technique, really great instruction, got great rounds, left by like 1030, yeah. and then just like, you know, just drove to Maine. We're getting to that point too where, you know, you can do that in other countries now. You know, I trained in Czech Republic. You Did know? you really? Yeah, 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 when? twice. Um, I, I went to Prague two different times, and both times I trained at this joint called Jungle BJJ out there, which is awesome really really good stuff um comp- like you know brazilian straight from brazil black belt really fucking talented really really good group of guys out there yeah it, it's awesome just like be able to just to i was in my buddy's hometown like a smaller town in new Hampshire, right outside nashville so a little bigger town but i just got to like google and they're like oh they have a class and i just like walked in showed up and these people were like nice enough to like train with me and let me train at their gym and then I just got to continue my drive. And Sweet. Then, and had I literally, I could have done that at any number of gyms that I drove yeah. past all along my drive, all along my trip. And it's just really cool to be part of, I, I can't think of a cooler community that does that. Like you, I can't think of like I, a soccer club I could walk into and like they're just like play on the team. It's like, it just doesn't exist. Or like, I'm not sure if like gymnastics is like that or like what other sport actually believe, lets you do that. Funny enough, uh, Capoeira is like that. So yeah, so it's actually built into their community. So they don't have competitions. I can't remember what they call them, but it's basically these gatherings. You know, it's not exactly competitive sport. Um, And the host city, like you know, wherever it's located, anyone who practices capoeira there is is expected to host in their houses any of the visitors right, that's, that's a little intense that's part of the community and like it's built in everyone that i've talked to who does capoeira says the same thing so that's that's kind of cool too yeah. maybe it's just a brazilian thing maybe it's you know like i don't know but it's just it was just <laughs> brazilian it was just so sports cool are friendly to like know that i or like or have the idea that most gyms are super friendly and we just kind of let you in this day and age just like i'm a purple belt 
Like, I'm not a good purple belt. I'm an okay purple belt. Like, I can do some things. Like, I got fucked up by good brown belts. I can, like, handle myself with, like, good blue belts. And, you know, have a good round with, you know, good purple belts. But to be able to just walk into the doors and, you know, be, like, have a friendly face that, you know, has no idea who you are but is happy to train with you, it was cool. And, uh... Yeah, I got smashed by the black belt. Yep. And so it was cool. You're like, oh, cool. Like, you're very, very good, and you run a school. It was it was just – it was an awesome trip all around. That just kind of was the cherry on top of a great trip, a 1,300-mile drive. Three tanks of gas a meal. Good to have you back. Aside from the Jeep, aside from the Easy Pass tolls, that trip cost me like $90. Jesus. It's amazing. So, all right. I've been Maine. I've been Emil. And we are the Grappling Rewind. We'll see you on the mats. As always, you can email us at thegrapplingrewind at gmail.com. You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube, and pretty much anywhere you can find Facebook podcasts. We're on Facebook, Grappling Rewind. Instagram. Grappling Rewind. Twitter. Grappling Rewind. Reach out to us on social media. If you got something that you want us to cover, you want to clarify, you know, we are here. You want to tell us we're idiots. Hey, let us know. You want us to pronounce your name correctly? Let us know. Subscribe. Subscribe on the YouTube page. Leave us a review. Helps us out a lot. It helps us out. And, you know, it eventually will help you out. We like to give back. We're doing this as something that isn't done. So help us help you. Again, as always, I'm Josh. I'm Maine. And this is the Grappling Rewind Podcast. We'll see you on the mats.